great advisors and great investors. Jerry Laborn, who was one of our earliest investors and built Nickelodeon, built and sold Oxygen Media, is just a, an oracle in business, said to me in one of our first dinners, it's going to take you 10 years and $100 million to build a new media company. And I laughed at the time. I said, there's no way it's going to take that long and cost that much money. And we're now in year 12 and we've raised $110 million. John West is the founder and CEO of Whistle, a sports-centric global digital company born out of a desire to authentically engage and connect with a young audience. The germ of the idea began back in 2007, recognizing the shortening of kids' attention spans around sports and new media consumption habits. Incredibly, they didn't take it to market for almost six years, learning, studying, researching, and waiting for the right time, which was the advent of video and social. An unreal stat, their partnership with Dude Perfect began six years ago. Dude Perfect had 2 million YouTube followers. To date, they have in excess of 50 million subscribers and 40 more on other platforms. They've gone through audience growth, including 500 plus creators, monetization, and now scale. John's incredibly passionate and shares how new habits and the gamification of content will make the future bright. There were two things that that caused caused me to go down this path in 2007, and then we incorporated in 2008, and then we didn't launch publicly until 2014. I'm happy to give you that backstory, but um, it uh, it was two things. Number one, um, my two boys at the time were getting into Little League in Boston, where I live, um, and so being a good Boston sports fan, I was trying to get them to watch the Red Sox on TV and go to Red Sox games, and they just had zero attention span. Um, so I felt like that the, I felt from a, from a dad perspective, I felt like the good things that sports did for me growing up, you know, teamwork and character building and math and science and nutrition and fitness, all the, all the stuff that came out of sports media when I was a kid watching with my dad, and my granddad, my kids weren't watching sports media the same way The games were long and boring and they had short attention spans and there's gotta be a, a better way to do this. Um, and then I think from a business perspective, uh, as I started, and I did not come from media. So I was engineering undergrad and business school and then uh, had two companies, um, engineering and financial software. So, you know, knowing nothing about the media industry, as I started to sort of network to people who were experts in media, um, uh, I, we always cycle back to the same thing. Media is about to go through a transformation. And... Um, and sports is the biggest genre in media, and there should be, you know, sports for a younger audience um, uh, that engages them in a cool way. And so that that kind of was the genesis of of launching uh, the company. Um, and then we spent, you know, four or five years doing a ton of research, doing a ton of market studies, trying to figure out if kids are dropping off of TV and they're going to the web at the time and now obviously social media like where were they what were they engaging why how could we be relevant how could we be engaged you know exciting for them uh so we tried a lot of things we had a website consumer facing we had uh an xbox live video app when that was a thing um we did a bunch of different things and then we really kind of in 2013 uh felt like social media the, com- the combination of social media that was at the time getting into video right facebook 2012, no video. They were just, there was pictures and text. So they were just getting into video. Obviously, the other uh, social platforms, YouTube was, was the leader there at the time, Snap now. Um, uh, as they were getting into video, uh, we felt like the combination of, of social media with mobile 
viewing and mobile creation. Uh, th- those sort of factors were essentially what happened in 1978 when ESPN was launched, right? It was, um, you know, uh, sports broadcast on the weekend turned into, you know, dozens of, of cable channels because ESPN was able to sort of build on the technology disruption of cable and satellite TV. And we felt like the mobile and social disruption of today um, was the new way to build a company. So during that five-year, call it research uh, time frame, where you're, you're doing some consumer-facing things, but you, you really haven't put the fuel on the fire yet, I, I get that video came and some of those social platforms allowed you to say, we got to go now. But I'm curious, in those four or five years, how you were still able to say, hang on, we shouldn't push go yet. That you were, st- you were willing to wait for something, or maybe you were doing this stuff and this just was the right time to bring it all together. Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think um, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but I think we 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 didn't we didn't put the gas we didn't put the the gas pedal down mm-hmm. until twenty twenty. January 1st, 2014, when we launched on YouTube. And then six months later, we expanded across every social platform we could find. <laughs> um, and I think uh, we just, we felt like we, myself, our team, our, we have a phenomenal advisory group, Jerry Leborn, who ran Nickelodeon, Mark Lazarus, who runs NBC Sports and NBCU. Um, Jeffrey Katzenberg's become a phenomenal uh, friend of the company. So w- we had really good advisors who continuously said to me, this is this could be really big, like so. So do it right, and don't don't you know rush. At the same time, when you figure out you know what platforms, it was really what's the content that's going to engage our audience, and then what platforms do we reach them on? Um, and until you have those two things kind of figured out, uh, and you've got sort of data and research that proves that, you know, be careful and and jump a little bit. But once we figured that out, we sort of jumped all the way and. Uh, have been fairly consistent in in that um, we've expanded the platforms a bit, but, but fairly consistent with that strategy since since 2014. So I think we we just felt like there was a big opportunity. I remember way back in 2008, someone said to me, uh, one of our advisors, you know, market cap and nickel in our audience is 13 to 34, so Nickelodeon's a bit young, but the market cap of Nickelodeon at the time, if you stripped out of Viacom, was about uh, $10 billion, and the market cap of ESPN at the time, if you stripped it out of Disney, was $50 billion. Mm-hmm. So if you land somewhere in the middle of that, there's a big opportunity to create a, create a, a, a new media company here. And, and so I think we were we were patient. We, you know, we re- I seed funded it uh, with a classmate of mine from school, um, and then we did a Series A and raised $8 million in 2010, 2012. And, you know, we've, we said and have said we've done now four rounds of fundraising um, and raised over $100 million. But we've said to the investors all along the way, um, you know, that, that we, we, don't, we can't predict the exact time of a return, but we believe that, that we're building something that will be transformational. And if, if that kind of fits your profile, we'd love to have you, you know, invest and be part of the team. And what do you see year over year that that belief continues? Um, you know, in the last – so we launched – it's interesting because, like, looking back again, can kind of do phases. So we launched in January 1st, 2014. And really at that time for about two years, 2014, 2015, it was all about um, building audience. So we initially partnered with social influencer creators that focused on sports lifestyle Mm -hmm. um, and uh, ended up 
building partnerships with 500 of what we thought were the best globally who did that. And the great thing about social media is you can look at everything through data. And as an engineer, you know, that always has, has intrigued me about this company is that we're not, there's not a lot of gut judgments. It's, it's data. So when we see someone launch a video and we can track, um, the platform, the time of day they launch it, the early engagement metrics, how that trends over, you know, three days, three days, three weeks, et cetera. We've got all these sort of KPIs that allows us to um, make, I think, informed decisions about where to invest in content and, and with what creator. But really, the first two years were about growing grow audience, partner with creators. Second two years were all about, um, so 16, 17, really about, okay, figure out how to make money, like how to monetize, <laughs> which we didn't really focus on until 2015, 16. And then the last two years, uh, uh, you know, 17, 18, or obviously into, into 19, was about uh, get to a scale where we can get to break even, um, which we did in Q4 of last year, and um, and then just continue to diversify and monetize. So we've gone through those three phases of, of growing the company um, that I, in a way that I think we were able to feel we're making progress, we're engaging an audience. It's meaningful enough that we can monetize that audience and we're, we can do it at scale so that we can have a standalone company. I think we're the, I think we're the fifth largest um, new media company in the U.S. based on revenue. And I think we're one, maybe there's one other one that uh, is, is at break even. So it's still, <laughs> it's still a market where you invest in growth more than profit, uh, for sure. But, um, but it was a meaningful uh, benchmark for us to get to break even. Yeah, so stay there for a second in terms of growth versus profit and spending a couple years building an audience and then a couple years in making money. How hard was it for you knowing you needed to focus on audience and growth because that's what the market is, is asking for, but, but deep down knowing, obviously, you've got to figure out a way to monetize this. If it's, it may yeah. be in the second version, but you know, how, how, do you, how do you balance those two knowing that at first you, you really are just trying to build the audience? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, great advisors and great investors. Jerry Layborn, mm-hmm. who was one of our earliest investors and built Nickelodeon, built and sold Oxygen Media, is just a, an oracle in business, um, said to me uh, – one of our first dinners. It's going to take you ten. It's going to take you ten years and a hundred million dollars to build a new media company. And I laughed at the time. I said, "There's no way it's going to take that long and cost that much money." And we're now in year twelve, and we've raised 110 million, uh, roughly. So uh, she wasn't far off. Um, you know, I think uh, you know it, it. We we were just trying to balance. I, we felt like, and again, you know looking back so much easier than looking forward. But I think at the time we felt like, okay, first we got to get an audience. Then we have to figure out step one. Step two, how do we give them enough value so that we can monetize, uh, whether it's through views and advertising, which is the early model, or now through um, direct consumer, merchandise, um, uh, event tickets, uh, all the different ways that we're monetizing. How do we create enough value to and, and create awesome content so that they will pay for it? Um, or the ecosystem of media will pay for it, advertising, et cetera. And then thirdly, it was how do we get to the, how do we, okay, we've got that figured out. How do we get to the point where we can actually begin to build a profit and have a sustainable company? And each of those phases was fairly discreet. And, and, um, and so that's kind of, I mean, obviously audience continues to grow and we continue to um, grow content and diversify the revenues. But, um, but we've had to go through those phases and, and you know, 
you know, there's other great companies out there like like uh, BuzzFeed, Vicebox, um, Group Nine, etc. That are that are all kind of going down somewhat similar paths. We're a little different in some ways, but so I think we've we've also been students of the marketplace and tried to understand, you know, what other companies are doing that's working. Hmm. And you mentioned earlier your boys and just watching their their habits um, and their attention span shrink. What, what have you noticed in the last few years about how maybe different habits or are the habits the same now, just different ways that uh, different types of content and platforms that people are consuming on? Or do you see the habits continue to change? Yeah, I, um, I think they continue to change. I think that... Um uh, they're they're their video first, they're mobile first, and their social media first. Or all those three things kind of drive most of their media consumption. Um, I think that uh, what's interesting is watching uh, VR and AR come into play, and I think moving forward, especially with sports, I get asked. I'm, a lot, you know, what what does what will it take to keep baseball and football, all these sports kind of alive when this young generation grows up and they, they didn't grow up as, as fans necessarily because of everything going on today. And I think I think part of the answer is in AR and VR. Hmm. So if there's a way to augment the experience in game fight to some extent, which is video games obviously the other big chunk of my kids' time, um, if they can gamify the experience, uh, it, you know, to me there's something there. Um uh, that I see with my kids. Also, what's fascinating to me about this Gen Z, whatever you want to call them, um, young millennials, is that they their uh, interpersonal relationship development is so different. Like they 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 have quote friends through social media they've never met. Mm-hmm. They have they get influenced by videos from their friends um, on social media that they've never met. So it, there's a, the physical need to be with your friend and like hang out and do a play date is largely um, has become significantly reduced, which is good and bad, I guess. But it is what it is. So I think that changes w- what media means to them, because it's not just um, it's not just watching and engaging content. It's creating and sharing content and combining those two phrase we use is sort of gone from a one to many broadcast world when I grew up to a media broadcast world and how do you build a media company in that world? And at the same, you know, and, and somehow involve the many to many, which is your customer, but also some creation of video uh, in a way that you can build a business around. And that's been, you know, the kind of the core challenge that we've faced over the last uh, decade. Hmm. And thinking about those audience habits, who, who do you think does it well? And it may be a, uh, uh, an influencer that you guys have on your, th- that's a partner of yours and they figured yeah. out their audience or um, a, a brand or a team or a league. I'm just curious, just in this sports entertainment space, who's figured that out? Yeah. So I, um, I'll give you a couple thoughts. Uh, our, our largest partner based on audience size is Dude Perfect. Yeah. Do you know the Dude Perfect? Oh yeah. Okay. They've, we've worked with them many times. They continue to crush it. 50 million subscribers and growing. Incredible. They did an event tour last summer, 20 shows, 10,000 seat arenas, sold them out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was, and I went to a few of them with my kids and it was, uh, it was the, the inter the, the engagement and passion that their fan base has that they've created is just unbelievable to me. Um, and 
And they've done it, which aligns with Whistle, by staying uh, inspirational, funny, and relevant. And those are kind of, if you could summarize, hopefully all of our content that we create across our original channels and a lot of our partner channels, you know, those are the three kind of uh, keywords that we use. And um, they don't have to go be sensational. They don't have to be negative or derogatory. It's, it's, it's hopefully, as, as a father, I'm sure you can relate to this. It's what it's kind of what you want your kids to relate to. And yeah. if they have media personalities they look up to, hopefully that's part of what they get. Um, so Dude Perfect is one example. I think um, uh, from a platform perspective, one thing that really excites me today is Quibi. Mm-hmm. And partly because they're um, a partner, but uh, the way that they are uh, thinking about the mobile video experience is just, I've never seen anyone else think about it that way. From a technology perspective and a, and a user experience perspective and also a content perspective. So I think when they launch in April, um, it's going to be a pretty cool thing. And I think it's going to be sort of the next Netflix for, for this younger generation to just jump on. Um, so I, those are sort of two that come to mind that, that are partners of ours and, um, you know, that I think are, are getting it right or, or about to get it right. Well, well it's, it's stay with deep perfect there. I mean, they yeah. obviously that the ascent is unbelievable, um, and the brand work and their own shows and, uh, and, and tours. What, what was the tipping point though? I mean, there, there's obviously many influencers both led through social platforms and just traditional celebrities that have influence but at some point you know they level these guys haven't these guys continue to grow is it that they were first to market in this new medium five years ago or is there something else that has allowed them to continue to go at that pace um uh great question i i uh, my opinion and i and when we signed dude perfect as our partner uh they were actually our first launch partner. So we signed them at the end of 2013, launched on 2014. Mm-hmm. They had 2 million subscribers on YouTube, and so they have 50, and there's another 40 roughly on, on other social platforms, followers and fans, et cetera. So um, I, I think I think there were a few things that led to their success. I think, number one, the five dudes are great guys. Mm-hmm. They're super smart. They're smart about building a brand. Um, they, they don't do things that they don't feel are aligned with that brand promise to their to their audience. Um, uh, one of the guy's dads is their business manager. He's super smart. And so he's been, he's helped them carefully, you know, navigate this intersection between sort of new media and social media influencers and entertainers and traditional Hollywood entertainers. And, and we do a lot of contractual stuff with these guys. And so you're kind of right in between those two very different worlds. I think, um, Jeff Tony, who's their manager, has done a good job at that. Uh, but I, at the end of the day, I think really what has driven their success is they're just really authentic mm-hmm. to this young generation. And and when that happens on social media, you share the video. And when you share the video, you get another subscriber signing up. And so it's this – I've said this to several of our um, investors – the thing about social media audiences is they're built organically from the first person who leans in and clicks subscribe. They, they, their audience wants to follow that influencer. That, that's a very different thing than marketing to an audience and hoping they show up in a theater uh, to watch a movie. So I, so I think that Dude Perfect has just done a fantastic job of just remaining authentic. Um, and I see my kids and my kids' friends, et cetera, you know, engage with these guys. Whenever a new video comes out on Monday – 
afternoon on YouTube, they're they're there to watch it. Whenever they now do a tour, they're they're going to the tour. I mean, it's the Brian merch. It's just um, it's unbelievable, and it's authentic and it's positive and it's fun. It's relatable. And then the full circle of going from building an audience to making some money and now scale. What's what's the what's number four? What's what's two years, five years? Where do you see the business ultimately go to? Yeah, I think um, there's there's sort of two aspects, I guess, or uh, parts of that of, of the answer to that question. I think the first is um, we <laughs> twelve years in, uh, we really feel like we and new media are at the beginning of this huge tectonic shift. And, um, so I, there's just everywhere we look, there's, there's growth opportunities, there's partnership opportunities. We did two acquisitions last year. We'll do a few more this year. Um, uh, the biggest challenge with that is like what you don't focus on, what you choose not to versus, you know, at, at the cost of, of what you need to focus on. So I think, um, we just see tremendous growth ahead of us. The second part of that is at some point our investors want liquidity and whether we do an IPO or we sell to a, to another company, I don't know. I never believe that you build a company to sell it. I believe you try and build a great company and you know things take care of themselves down the road. So we're not in any discussions right now. We don't have an active plan to do that. Um, but at some point, you know, we've got, we have a very supportive uh, and patient investor base Um uh, but at some point, obviously, we're an investor-funded company, so there, there needs to be an exit for them. Um, but I, I, you know, I just think it's an, a super exciting time in media right now, and it's just starting really to have an impact. If you look at ad revenues and traditional media and how they're shifting, if you look at sort of how social is growing, where the audiences are, how it's global, um, which is the other thing we didn't really uh, didn't dawn on us too much when we started the company, but now we're actually a global media company, which. Adds to my travel, uh, <laughs> my travel schedule. But um, uh, you know, we're able to reach a global fan base. Half of our audience is outside the U.S. So um, there's a common language in sports that's hopefully a good positive language that um, that you know young sports fans around the world uh, now can participate in digitally and socially. And that's the bond. See you next week.